So with that, I, I want to um, introduce a guest speaker today. I'm so excited to have Andrew Devaney from As One Ministries here. Um, I, I'll just tell you about him for a second, and then I'll turn him loose. And this is going to be a special morning for us here at Grace. Um, last Sunday, you guys were awesome with Seth. When we prayed over Seth, and he's taking off to the Middle East for two years to serve in refugee camps. And uh, how many of you were here last Sunday, and, or, or you caught it online? What a special young man. He's in a serious, committed relationship, and yet he's still going to go for two years and, and serve people who nobody will ever know their names. And, and thank you for your generosity. We gave him a wonderful um, financial gift. And so last week we prayed over Seth, who's in his mid-20s, heading to the Middle East. And today we've got another young leader. Um, Andrew Devaney is uh, 28 years old. He's from Denver, Colorado. He's uh, married to Veronica, expecting their first baby in December. Um, I was introduced to Andrew through Chris and Lindsay Wilson, who a lot of you know. They've been friends of Grace's for many years. Um, uh, Chris leads missions outreaches at Western Christian. So my Madeline, Jessica and I, our daughter Madeline, went to Uganda and Mexico with Chris. And through Chris, we were introduced to Andrew. Andrew will tell you his story, but in a quick nutshell, when he was in seminary, very young man, early 20s, he took some mission trips to Uganda, and God just ruined him. And he just had the audacity to think, what if, what if, what if God could use me to do something significant here? So he came back from his mission trip. He hit up all of his parents' rich friends and asked them for money. And he started As One Ministries from the ground up, and it was just maybe four years ago that this started. Today, they have four functioning schools with buildings, certified teachers. Every school has a farm, a bakery, and a medical clinic. It's Ugandan-led, so state-funded and supported, but it's local leadership. And I heard Andrew speak at a, a fundraising event, and I just fell in love with him. I had one of those David Jonathan moments where this young man was talking, and I thought, wow, he's, he's 28, and he's got the clout and the authority of a, of a national leader. And I, I just asked if, if he would be willing to talk to us today. He's going to show you some videos, give you the presentation. And, and what I really want is an injection of Andrew into our church. Watching somebody be used greatly by God is so inspiring because God wants to use all of us. And you might go to Africa, you might go to Uganda, you might be used across town or in the foster community. There's a calling and a purpose for all of us. And so I just want his story to throw gasoline on yours and for all of us to be more inspired than ever to respond to whatever it is that God's calling us to. So I think you're going to love him. He's super humble, super gracious, and, um, and I, I know he'll be a, a friend of our churches. And um, Andrew, thank you for being here, giving up time from your soon-to uh, new, new family. Go for it, bud. Thank, Thank you. you. Okay. Well, good morning, Grace Church. Morning. To you guys inside and uh, to those outside and those online. Uh, church has changed over the years, hasn't it? Um, one quick thing before I jump in. Last night at dinner, Chris mentioned that Grace was founded in, in 1901. And there was this little line in the song uh, that we just sang, Behold Him, and it it was describing the Lord. It said, before there was light, 
you were there. And it, it kind of just, you know, sparked something in me. Um, that how cool is it that, and what a privilege it is that we get to jump in and be a part of something that was way before us and something that'll last way after us. And I feel that little representation standing here in a community that's existed since 1901. And I definitely was not born at that point in time. It's definitely way before me. And yet I get to come and share my story of what God's included me to be a part of uh, with all of you. And so it's a great privilege to be here with you this morning. And uh, thank, thank you very much for having me. So like Chris said, my name is Andrew Devaney. I'm the founder of an organization called As One Ministries. And As One exists, our vision is to end spiritual, relational, and economic poverty one community at a time. And our mission is to make disciples of Jesus and create sustainable solutions in education, enterprise, health, and agriculture that holistically address poverty in rural, underserved communities. Our goal or our dream is to see a movement of Ugandans empowering Ugandans. And so you might be asking, why Uganda? Well, Uganda is this country, but same ge geographical size as the state of Oregon. Oregon has 4 million people. Uganda is a country of 45 million people. The World Bank says, or, or estimates show, that Uganda, the fifth fastest growing country in the entire world, by 2050, in 30 years, will be 100 million people. Uh, Winston Churchill called Uganda the Pearl of Africa. It's this lush, beautiful, lies on the equator. The Lake Victoria is there. The source of the Nile River is there. It's this beautiful, all different types of topography. And it has some of the most joyful, beautiful people I have ever met in my entire life. People who love the Lord and God is fundamentally and, and just clearly at work in this country. And yet, seven out of every ten people that you would meet in Uganda live in what the World Bank would call extreme poverty. They live on less than $1.90 per day. And in this country, the fifth fastest growing country in the entire world, you'll see children everywhere. Children all over the place. And it has a school dropout rate where many students don't finish school. 70% of students don't finish secondary school. They drop out beforehand. And that has been dramatically increased because of COVID. Uganda's been out of school for almost two years now. I was at a hospital recently, just got back from Uganda last week. And when I was at a hospital, I was talking to them and, and they said that their average pregnancy age was 25 years old prior to COVID. Over the last two years, it's dropped to 16. And so since schools have been closed, dropout rates are expected to increase, teenage pregnancies are expected to increase, there's been serious economic ramifications. 
And in a country where there's so much struggle, you'll, you'll see the things that you, you, know, you can imagine or many of you have seen. You see antique people walk, walk long distances to get water. They struggle every day growing food out of the land that they have in their backyard to sustain their families, to, to feed them. And the World Health Organization says that the number one cause of death in Uganda is preventable and communicable diseases. And so, though it's this country of rich, beauty, vibrancy, it's a country that has deep struggle. And many of us, we would describe that with the word poverty, material poverty. We've seen it, we know it. It's, it's right in our faces. And when you're in Uganda, it's like it's the most blatant thing that there is. And though lack of food, lack of shelter, lack of basic material needs is, is such an immediate need, we believe that the problem that we are fighting is something much deeper. We describe it as dependency. And then then Uganda has a history of colonization, a history of foreign aid, and throughout generations of foreign aid and and, and charity that's been given to Uganda, an unfortunate consequence, an unintended consequence of trying to help, wanting to make a difference, providing aid, providing charity, providing a handout, has been this cycle of dependency that we believe has kept people trapped in cycles of poverty. It's actually destroyed their God-given dignity. That as image bearers, people made in the image of God, part of what it means to be made in God's image is to create, to collaborate with God, to be problem solvers. And that has all been taken away through our best attempts to help. And it's something that we want to fight and to reverse the cycles of because we fundamentally believe that it's disempowering to the people that we're trying to help. Are you guys with me? And so six years ago, I had, I had the opportunity of starting this work, but it came after, like Chris was saying, two summers of, of you know, going back to Uganda and living there and, and somewhat reluctantly going on these trips I didn't want to be another kid that went on a mission trip, but I said fine to my professor who was trying to kind of twist my arm to get me to go. And so she set me up with a even more challenging circumstances. And one of my buddies over here, Isaac, you know, we, we lived in a mud house. We had a little hole in the ground outside that was our pit latrine. We showered with a bucket. We fetched our own water. We tried to go and to immerse ourselves, fundamentally with the goal of learning and listening and watching And seeing how and if God was at work, and we fundamentally found it. God at work, not necessarily through us, but a God who's been at work for thousands of years through his people. And their beauty, their joy, their passion, their desire to change their circumstances inspired me. So I came back from that trip, and I wanted to invite everybody I could to go and to see it and to be a part of it. And you have to come meet these people and see these places that I've been. And they'd say, so what are we going to do on the trip? And I'd say, I don't know. We'll figure it out when we get there. <laughs> and so they would come, and, and, and it was over the, those couples, couple of years of walking with people, of listening to people's circumstances, and, and learning the desire for the future that they want for themselves and for their kids and what they think that God's doing in their communities, that this story of as one 
was created. And so I want to first show you a video to help you kind of understand a little bit better of the work that we're doing in Uganda. In episode four, we want to give you a picture of the kind of transformation we believe is possible in the communities we serve. Our mission is to make disciples of Jesus and create sustainable solutions in education, enterprise, health, and agriculture that holistically address poverty in rural, underserved communities. We want to end relational, spiritual, and economic poverty one community at a time. And this is how we're doing it. It's all led and inspired by local leaders like Henry, Sylvia, Beatrice, Innocent, Fiona Allen, Joan, Humphrey, and many, many more. Operationally, our work is funded through the local economy, through what we like to call social enterprises that address issues of poverty while bringing about economic impact. In the United States, we invest our resources as capital to help build out the infrastructure and startup costs needed to operate these transformative entities. Our ultimate outcome is to see these entities provide spiritual, relational, and economic transformation to each individual and community we serve. So tell me more about these social enterprises. I'm glad you asked. The goal of our investment is to build a holistic model in each rural community we serve. In each community, we are building a school, a farm, two small businesses, and a health clinic. Each of these areas of operations have been strategically chosen to help meet critical needs in the community while also providing economic opportunity. For instance, in Rani Buhuka, Crater High School is the first ever high school in this community. It's providing 25 jobs, serving over 300 kids annually, is fully self-sustaining, and it's using its school farm to train over 1,000 community members every year. Welcome to Kureta High School. I'm called Kawagambe Innocent, a director, a community director, uh, Rwanyavihuka. Right now we are outside Kureta High School. We are in Rwanyavihuka Trading Center. Rwanyavihuka uh, is a village, a deep, uh, deep village in Ibanda district. The development that is coming here, as you can see, electricity, what is coming, it is brought up by uh, the Kureta High School. Uh, a project that has come to the community and is helping the community and the government has seen that it really needs uh, these services. So this was brought up by uh, the projects that come in and help the community. Yeah, these are the kids in the community kids and uh, I love them. They also love us. Whenever we move here, they are with us. So they really love us. Right now we are at the farm. We have grown maize last season and beans we've already harvested. So now we are preparing to plant for the second season. What brings me joy is to see everyone changing. The vision is to see that the whole person is transformed. That's why we've been in education, we've been in social enterprise, we've been in agriculture, which is like the backbone of Africa. But then we need healthy people. That's why we are crossing into the health sector also. Over the last five years, the greatest lesson I have learned is uh, one, I thought that when you're leading um, a non-profit like this, you're, you're the king or you're the savior. But uh, the greatest lesson I have learned is that uh, in so doing this, 
you can only reach out to those God has given you and uh, if you reach the you reach them fully they will also become a chain or agents of change to reach out to the others that you cannot reach when this model is fully built out in each community we serve we're able to provide 70 jobs educate up to 500 students train thousands of farmers and improve practices serve thousands of patients every year and generate over $100,000 in local revenue. Now imagine that in community after community after community. We like to think of it as a movement of Ugandans empowering Ugandans. Ugandans serving Ugandans. Ugandans fighting to get other Ugandans out of the depths of poverty. And at the heart of what we're doing is to see the whole person transformed, to see the inner leader of individuals cultivated, to see Christ's love expressed through new values, practices, and behaviors. We're not just serving people in poverty, we're ending it for one individual and one community at a time. Like you guys saw in the video, our, our goal in each community is to build a school, a clinic, a farm, and two small businesses. And through that Christ-centered model, our desire is to bring two worlds together. And one side of that world is that we could see personal transformation in the lives of the students, the employees, everybody that we work with. And I want to give you an example of that. So first here, I think we lost the screen. Uh, we have a picture of Fiona. Or, yep, this is Fiona, if you go to the next slide. And, and Fiona's a student at Crater High School. And back in 2018, when Crater High School was first starting, it was just two buildings at that point in time, I got to meet Fiona. She was one of the first students to come when there was 33 kids. And Fiona was, told me she was going to be the top student in the class. And year over year, she prevailed to become the top student. And I got to asking questions about Fiona, asking questions about her life, and she was a little shy at first, and then she started to open up. She started to share with me. I said, how, how far do you walk to get here every day for school? It was before there was a boarding section. I said, well, I leave at about 6 a.m. to get there by 8.30. So she was walking two and a half hours through this mountain range. She was having to go through forests to be able to get to school. I said, what do your parents think about, you know, this, that you're going to school now? And she shared with me that her mom had just recently died from a motorcycle accident after giving birth to her little sister. And so Fiona, with several siblings, was embarking on high school. And she, her, her dad was working every day to try to earn income and bring in food for the family. And it was Fiona's responsibility to go to school, to cook meals for her siblings, to wash their clothes, to do all the household chores. And Fiona, she looked me in the eyes and said, but I am for sure going to become a doctor. And so recently when I was in Uganda, we just did the national, national examinations. And Fiona, she ended up finishing number two in the whole school, receiving a first grade. And so one of the ways that, that As One Works is we send our top high school graduates uh, with full, full ride scholarships to go to university or trade school. And so Fiona was getting ready, is getting ready to go to university. And she's still determined to become a doctor. And while she was at school, she became the student body president. She had this community of teachers and people supporting her, helping her live in 
to that image of godness, that potential that she has. This young girl lives in a very remote community. Seems like maybe nothing in the sense of the global perspective, but everything in God's eyes. And it's amazing to watch her come to life, her inner leader cultivated. This new person being created. Can't wait to see the way she invests back in the community. Another story, this is Salama. Salama was one of the first people Aswan ever worked with, one of the first people I met when I was in Uganda. And when I met Salama as a 30-year-old mom, we got to talking on the street, a mother of three. She was really charming, beautiful smile, fun conversationalist, spoke great English. She began to tell me her story of after her dad passed away when she got to her senior year of high school, she had to drop out of school. And she was out searching for a job, trying to figure out how to make money. She found a job working at a restaurant. And very quickly, um, you know, found out she was working at a bar. And before she knew it, Salama, in her 20s, found herself working as a prostitute for a couple of years, up until the point that, that we met her. Selling herself every single day for her, the words that she used so she could feed her kids. And then for, for, for Salama, she ended up going back to high school at 31 years old, as a junior in high school, and got to watch, watch her, her begin to change, got to watch her struggle through this new way of interacting, going back with a bunch of kids as a 31-year-old mom with three kids. You can imagine the dynamics at play. And Salama, you know, she ends up graduating high school. She struggles through high school, desired to be a nurse, couldn't pass her science, her sciences, ended up then choosing to become a teacher. I've gotten to watch Salama, you know, convert from Islam to Christianity, leave a life of prostitution. She graduated from college recently and is going to be hired as one of our teachers at our future primary schools. Yeah, it's really cool. And so it's not just economic development. It's seeing that people's lives are touched by Christ. This inner leader, this, this you know, calling gets brought out and they can live into that. And so then simultaneously, you know, with these, that, that going on, you know, our goal is to see sustainable economic development, that the circumstances that people live in would fundamentally change as well. And so our goal is to actually for everything it takes to run as one, 100% of what it takes to run as one, we, the operations, we want to generate that locally. We want to generate that through the hands and the work of our team in Uganda, and we want to use donations as capital to build out the infrastructure and to provide the runway to be able to get this started. But the profits that we get in Uganda feed back into being able to provide scholarships, do these, do these services back in the communities, because fundamentally we want to empower local leaders to, to have the opportunity to own and change the problems that they have so for so long desired to see changed, because we believe that empowers the local community to be the agents of change themselves, to take ownership over the problems in their own community. So we're doing this work now in four communities in Uganda, as you can see here, one in Western, three in Eastern Uganda. And I want to share about the first community that we work in. We'll run quickly through this. So in this community, we have a high school. It's called the Aswan High School. It's one of two high schools now in this community. It's a beautiful school. There's nothing like it in the area. And through it, uh, our school motto is transformation starts with me. 
So for the 200 kids that are part of the As One High School, uh, you know, they, they are being molded into the future you know, change agents, these future uh, leaders of Uganda that aren't just obsessed with changing the world but want to change themselves. And, and through it, you know, they have access to computer labs, science labs, nothing like this. You know, I, being there, uh, this, this last time I was there, you know, m- most of the kids when they got to school had never touched a computer before, high schoolers. They, we did a little painting project when the, we, I was last there. Most of them had never touched a paintbrush in their entire life. And so they're being offered this opportunity, which is fantastic. It's, it's low tuition. It's affordable tuition since we were able to build out the infrastructure that, you know, is sustained locally. And, and through COVID lockdowns and things like that, you know, we, we had teachers getting on boats, crossing lakes, driving 20 miles to bring students study packets to do lessons in the community. They are dedicated to their futures. So that's number one. Number two, we run two small businesses in the community. One's a bakery. We have eight employees there. Those eight employees make and sell around five to 6,000 units of bread every single week. And they deliver them you know, all around their community, all around uh, their, their district. Um, and, and one of the coolest things I think about this bakery, other than the fact that it you know, sustains itself, is that um, I remember very early on when we hired the, our employees for the bakery, and we did the training, and then they found out what their wages were going to be. They all quit. I was like, well, this is a good start. And, and, then, and then a couple of days after you know, kind of forming their union and really fighting against us, they decided to come back. And they were reluctant, you know, well, we'll give this a try. And, and they ended up starting to love it. It was about two weeks later, we did a little dinner together. And one of the gals, she stood up and she said, for the first time, I feel beautiful. Because I have something that I'm making. People look at me and they say, that's the bakery lady. And I have something that I'm contributing to the community. And so you see the way that work brings out people's dignity. At the same time, we run a salon. Uh, in Uganda, they love to look pretty too, even if they don't have a lot of expendable cash. And so this salon is actually our most profitable entity right now. Uh, and, you know, it has eight employees as well. We're able to train around 40 students through it at any given time uh, through, throughout the year. We have kind of quarterly um, training sessions that students can pay and come they can come live there. We have some housing behind there. And so it's, it's been a phenomenal business enterprise to run. And then, uh, you know, in the same community, we have a farm. We have about 15 acres of farmland. And we u- we're utilizing our farm now to be able to generate profits to run a farmer training program. And part of the way in which we're able to continue to maintain our employees and our operations at the farm is we have dairy production uh, through cows and goats. And so uh, it's just it's really fun to, to watch our team and you've got to come up with these creative solutions to figure out how they can serve others in their community. So part of the farmer training pro- program they can do, this next slide is a picture of a woman named Alice Tassimi. And I got to meet Alice. And so Alice, uh, on her farm, uh, she, she went through one of our lessons as part of, you know, proper crop spacing, how many seeds you put in the ground, how do you break the hard soil pan, uh, things like that. And she had seen, when I went and visited her, a four times greater crop yield than the season before. And so just imagine if you had four times the income. It would, tra- it would transform your life. And she was excited. She was sharing about how she'll be able to feed her kids. She'll be able to pay for their school fees. And we're able, just in one community, we were able to work with 3,000 farmers this year. 
uh, through a volunteer-led program. And so then lastly, in this same community, we have a health clinic that is going to be opening in December. And so this is a health clinic. It'll be an outpatient health clinic. You'll have about nine employees that work there to start. And uh, everything's set and ready to go. We have, uh, if you go to the next slide here, you know, every, all the furniture is in place or, or everything's getting set up. The pharmacy's ready to go. And there was a shipping container that finally just left Long Beach. Uh, and it, uh, it sat there from August until last week. And it's now, you know, making its way over to East Africa and it's supposed to be in the community by December 20th. And it'll be the first ever health center in this rural community. And like I said, uh, the number one cause of death, preventable and communicable diseases in, in Uganda. And so we, we will be able to provide maternal services. Uh, we'll have a diagnostics lab. We'll have a lot of different services we can offer the community through this. And we are absolutely thrilled. So that's one community. Really cool. Uh, and, and then we're doing this, you know, we're beginning to now replicate our work in other communities. So you keep going, um, working in a small community called Runyabihuka. You saw Innocent talking about it in the video. Uh, Runyabihuka is an unbelievably remote community. It's almost two hours off a of main road, back in a mountain range. You go to school. You go to the next slide. Uh, this, this is the first ever high school in this community. Has never been, there's never been a high school there before. After the high school was built, now the government just brought electricity for the first time ever. They just brought running water for the first time ever to this village. And the, the impact that it's had on the students and the community has been unbelievable. I mean, a large attraction of people wanting to move there now. And we are thrilled by the, by the work that's being done. So I have one last little video, and we'll kind of wrap up here, and it's to meet some of the students and get a picture of their life in Uganda. Welcome to Uganda. Today, you get to meet two of our amazing students from both of our high schools. These two girls are an inspiration to us, and we want you to see their dreams their joy, and their resilience. So let's go. Becoming a secondary school graduate would be a huge accomplishment for any student living in Uganda, most especially girls. Across Uganda, 70% of students drop out of school before even finishing secondary school. These two girls come from families with considerable economic struggles. They walk long distances and don't forget COVID-19 and government closures have kept them out of school for an entire year. So first, let's meet Emily from Crater High School. She lives in a small community in Western Uganda that we love called Ranyabihuka. I'm Jerusalem Emily. I'm 16 years old, studying from Crater High School. Welcome to my home. I started studying when I was five years old. I finished my P7 when I was 13. Then I joined Greater High School because they sponsored me. So I thank God for that. I hope to join nursing. I like it because nurses are, are smart. Now, let's meet Jovia. She's from Namayamba and is a student at the Aswan High School. 
My name is Kusasira Jovia. I'm in Form 3M, a student of Aswan High School. I come from Namayemba. This is where I come from, it's my home. That's my mom, she's Nego Florence. Here is our sitting room. That's my siblings. Sharon, come and give me a hug. <laughs> I want to be educated because I want my future to be successful. I want to be a journalist. I think it's fit for me. This school shows me a picture of equality because from its meaning as it means as one, it means that we should be one, we should all be equal. Despite many challenges and many struggles, these girls are resilient. They are dreamers that are hoping for a better tomorrow. We believe the future does look bright for both Emily and Jovia because they have access to quality education. Ugandan leaders and teachers that believe in them and a community that is passionate about seeing them thrive. It's because of people like you that this story is being written. Then this year, we can kind of keep going here, but then, then this year, we, we're actually taking this and we're replicating it into two new communities, one, both in eastern Uganda, one in a community called Iduti uh, that you can see here. And, and so we bought land in February and we're building out these campuses and uh, just really fast. I mean, these pictures, uh, that's, that's the blueprint. You can go to the next two pictures. But, and in this community, I mean, we've been able to fly, building, building out these schools, uh, these aren't even the most updated pictures. Those buildings that aren't done, they're done now. Now they're building a perimeter fence. And it's really exciting. And it's going to be able to offer education to 200 kids in this community, a primarily Muslim community, 70% Muslim uh, in this area. It'll be the first Christian elementary school or primary school in that area. And we're, we are, are thrilled. And then we're doing the same thing in an area called Cabra Mido in northeastern Uganda. Uh, and they're at about the same pace with their construction, beginning to build it out. And so we're able to invest in building out this opportunity to allow Ugandan leaders to transform their communities. And it's, it's a beautiful picture of the kingdom of God. And so our vision over the next three years is to actually see this model and this work uh, take place in five communities, to have five communities built out with all of those components by 2025. And what that will look like for us is that will be five schools, that will be five farms, that will be 10 businesses, and that will be five clinics created. And through that, we'll be able to create 225 jobs, new jobs in the country. We'll be able to educate 2,500 kids every single year, be able to train 400 people with job skills trainings through our businesses, be able to train over 10,000 farmers every year, serve 15,000 patients, I'm going to say it again, every year, and generate over $500,000 in local revenue. Really, it's Ugandans doing this for Ugandans every single year. That's 28,125 people just on rough numbers.
And in a country where the average family size is five and a half people, that would be over 150,000 lives impacted every year. You can begin to see the ripple effects taking place across the country. And so when I was, again, when I was most recently there, I'm going to abbreviate the story. I went and I visited a family, and this family had just gone through a lot of challenges. The, the children had just lost their parents during COVID, not to COVID, one from malaria and one from uh, an infection. Lost mom and dad, and they were now living with the aunt. The aunt, Matrine, is the cook at the Aswan High School. Uh, the boy, Emmanuel, he's a student at the Aswan High School. And Kenneth ended up, through our staff, found out ways where they contributed to helping Kenneth go off to driving school. And I remember sitting with Kenneth. Kenneth bawled right in front of me. And, you know, I was thinking if I was an 18-year-old boy, graduated high school, you know, how that, losing my parents, would maybe affect my future dreams, my future desires, what I would end up doing in the world. And his big question was, how am I going to take care of my siblings? And so then I got a little message from him, and I got a little message from our staff. Kenneth has a job now. He's a driver. He's excited. He's going to be able to take care of his family. And I just think about if we would have had that clinic, his parents would have been properly diagnosed, treated with malaria, very treatable, infection, properly treated and diagnosed, that all of this would have been protected. And so when I think about the work of Aswan across the country of Uganda, it could fundamentally change the trajectory of these families' lives, of these kids' lives. And hopefully change the, the country for generations to come. And so we're working to build out this vision uh, over the next couple of years. Five communities, this model built out by 2025 is going to cost us $4 million to do it. Uh, as to date, we've had about 1,000 families jump in and participate. Started with my, just my parents' rich friends. And, then, uh, and now you know, it turned into 1,000 people, just ordinary people like me and you, uh, that are making this possible. We've been able to put about $2.3 million into building out what is As One today. And uh, I've been incredibly grateful. And so I have an invitation for you all. We have a community called The Scholars, and it's a monthly donor community. And it's somewhat like a sponsorship program, but somewhat not like a sponsorship program. And the way it is, is, is you get to partner with a student in Uganda. You get to follow the life and the impact on that student, but your money actually goes towards helping build out this model in Uganda. It helps build out this new community, this new environment, this new way uh, of this entirely different opportunity. For, for families and for kids. And you can see it how it impacts a kid. And there's no dollar requirement. It can be $5 a month or it can be $500 a month. It does not matter. Whatever you can contribute. But this community of monthly donors is what keeps our work fueled every single month. Gives us a trajectory. Helps us to be able to build it out. And you get to watch how it transforms these kids' lives. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing to be a part of. And then we give you updates and kind of special gifts and, you know, really want to keep you connected to the work that's going on with As One. And so part of my goal in coming here, Chris had a goal, I had a goal too, uh, is, is I wanted to, I'm praying that we'd have 10 families uh, from Grace uh, join, and, uh, join the scholars. And so there's a little table out there uh, where you can sign up your name, you can select a student that you're going to follow in Uganda, and then you can be a part of making this transformation possible. Cool? And I'll be there. Isaac will be there. And um, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for having me. Huge honor. It's a gift to be able to step in here.
so good. <laughs> Thank you. It's so great. Wonderful. So a couple of things. Let's get back to my, my goal for a second for the morning. Um, th this morning was not a commercial for a fundraising opportunity for us, although that's, that's part of the goal. Um, and the table outside, let's, let's mob the table, let's sign up and support the scholars. Um, just a couple of things. Isn't the church beautiful? When the church serves the kingdom of God, it is the most breathtaking thing on the planet. And so we're looking at just the most amazing, beautiful um, acts of love and kindness in the heart of Christ. And, and that didn't exist until you responded to the call of God. So I, I know you're humble to say it's not all about me. It's Ugandans empowering Ugandans. That did not exist until somebody said yes to what God was doing in their lives. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. And I cried out, Woe to me, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And with it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for me? And I said, Here am I. Send me. And uh, my, my, my whole hope today is that each of us will say that to uh, another degree in our lives. And saying, here am I, send me, might not send you to Uganda, but it might send you to one foster student. It might send you to one student in your classroom that you haven't reached out to yet, or one coworker that you've been thinking about and haven't connected with. But if, if we each say, yes, here am I, send me, it's a courageous prayer. Because we, we can't micromanage the outcome of a prayer like that, but it can change us and it can change the world. And I am so proud of you and how exciting that you're going to be a dad and you and your young wife and family are just going to, your goal is five, but what are you going to do after 2025? You're going to be like, what, 30 years old? <laughs> so, so there's a lot more to do. So I want to pray for Andrew. So I want to pray for him. I want us internally to say, here am I, Jesus, here am I. And you probably didn't feel qualified to do this. You probably didn't think, I'm going to go change Uganda and start businesses. You just had a heart and a passion, and you said yes. So let's just say yes to whatever the Lord's telling us. And um, we'll keep praying for this ministry. We'll pray for this young family. And then when we're done, um, he'll be at the table, as was said, and let's sign up. And he's asking for 10 families, but we could have 100 families sign up to sponsor a, a, a scholar in Uganda. So would you, would you want to stand with me and stretch out your hands toward Andrew? Father, thank you for raising up Andrew Devaney. Thank you for raising up Veronica and this new baby that they're going to have. Thank you for Isaac, their dear friend, and uh, Chris and Lindsay, and just the network of relationships that they've developed. Um, thank you for all these beautiful people we've seen on the screens. God bless each of them today. But I pray that you would protect Andrew and that you would guide him Give him the, the wisdom of a Daniel, uh, the integrity of a Joseph. 
Give him the strength and the passion of a King David, and, and would you guide him in his destiny? Lead him every step of the way to the right people. Would you spring every trap of the enemy before he gets there? Would you bring uh, incredible discernment and discerning eyes and hearts around him as they make decisions and, and move into the future? Would you breathe Jesus into his soul and uh, let him serve your purpose for him in his own generation? So bless him, fill him, encourage him. And Lord, let them blow through the goal uh, for 2025. Thank you. God, thank you for introducing us to such amazing people like the Brewsters in Cambodia and Francisco in Mexico and now Andrew. God, it's awesome. Bless him. Bless all of your people here in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Can we just say thank you to Andrew? So wonderful.